0: Pray. Grant, Lord, that I might not speak with plausible words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of your spirit and of your power, that our faith might not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Long ago and far away, when I was still in seminary, which At this point, it feels like right after the earth cooled. Um, uh, We had a a wonderful teacher in Edinburgh whose name was Roland Walls. He was an Anglican contemplative monk. He was holy, he was eccentric, and he was brilliant. Uh, For those of you who know the British system, he was a triple first from Cambridge. That's like graduating summa cum laude in three different areas of study. And he was a holy man. And we loved him as a teacher. Uh, once we had spent an entire New Testament class talking about where a period, a full stop, belonged in the, gospel of the first verses of the Gospel of John. Only to find out that it actually didn't change the meaning at all. <laughs> and we walked out of that class, and then we went into systematic theology with Brother Walls. And he said, gentlemen, let us pray. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Entirely different approach. Brilliant and faithful. Well, he spoke about, I've never forgotten it, obviously. He spoke about our gospel lesson today. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. The coming of the wise men. And what he said about it was just lovely. He said, gentlemen, you should probably take off your shoes for we stand on holy ground. That, he read the passage, that is beautiful. That is an icon. That is something you can kneel before and adore. That is something to meditate on for the rest of your life. And I've done a lot of meditating on it. And I've learned a lot from it. So what I want you to think of this sermon today is just a series of meditations before that icon of the coming of the Gentiles to Jesus. First thing I want to say is, when our oldest daughter, Heather, was still in grade school, one day she said to me, Daddy, you know, I think... You're going to love this. I think the coolest thing in the world to be is a Jewish person who believes in Jesus. That's the coolest thing in the world to be, a Jewish person who believes in Jesus. And I agreed with her. And by the way, the two of us were in good company. C.S. Lewis said that in some ways the Jewish believer is the only truly fully complete human being, a child of Abraham by blood and by faith. So I thought, wow, yeah. And she was like fourth, fifth grade or something. I went, wow, that's great, Heather. And I shared it with a friend of mine, Steve Cohen, who is a Messianic pastor. He was pastoring a Messianic congregation. Uh, he was also my surfing buddy. And uh, I shared that with Steve, and he said, well, yeah, but no. I've, I've shared this with Dave. No. Says, to say that that's the coolest thing is to say It's not good to be what you are. To be what God made you. To rejoice in what he's called you to be. And he had a point too. Is it really cool to be a child of Abraham by blood and by faith to know the Lord Jesus? Yes, absolutely. Is it also really cool to be a Gentile believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, absolutely. And we have a feast day to remind us that God thinks so too. This was his plan. It always was. He wanted this to happen. He'll change the heavens to make it happen. To draw the Gentiles to himself, and that was always the plan. What did we read in Isaiah 60 today? Oh, the Gentiles are going to walk by your light, and they're going to come to the glory of your dawning. And by the way, when they come, what are they going to bring? Gold and frankincense. That's over 700 years BC, folks. It's going to happen. Psalm 72, same thing. They pray that the Gentiles will come. And they're going to bring gold. And they're going to come to the light of your dawning. And St. Paul tells us in our Ephesians passage that this is the great mystery in Christ that's been made known to us. Martin Goldsmith, who was a, a, a... Jewish Christian teacher once said, You realize, of course, folks, that the question was never, ever, ever, could a Jewish person be a Christian? The question was whether you Gentiles were going to get included. That was the big question. Were the wild olive branch grafted in? Were the addition, those of us who have Gentile backgrounds, Paul says this was the mystery. In fact, he says in the same passage that this was his purpose, that I should preach to the Gentiles. That where there were formerly two peoples, now there'd be one. And that in chapter two, that the dividing wall of hostility would be broken down. This was the plan. And so the Lord tells his Jewish apostles, go out and make disciples of all nations. The nations that Isaiah 60 mentions. And by the way, the the Hebrew word for the nations in both Isaiah and Psalm 72 is hagoyim. Go out and make this known to all the goyim. Go out and make this known to all the goys and Shiksas out there. Go out and bring them in. Save them. That's my plan. That's my will. That's my word. That's my promise, says the Lord. And by the way, we have it on the highest authority that that prayer, that promise, that purpose will be fulfilled. Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and with golden bowls full of incense, right, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed for God. From every tribe and tongue, people and nation, and have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. From every tribe and tongue, people and nation. I heard the president of Wheaton College once say, and I I love this, he said, as a Christian liberal arts college, we're never going to be politically correct. We're never going to fit in, and so there's no reason to try. But we do want diversity. And then he read that passage. He said, the most diverse worship service you will ever attend is the one in heaven. When people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation will praise him. It has been my privilege, my blessing, to preach to congregations in Israel, in Tanzania, in Honduras, in the UK, in California, a lot of foreign lands. Think about it. It's, and wherever I was, I met brothers and sisters. Those whom Paul says have been called to be fellow heirs in the kingdom of his beloved son. So this was the plan. And what we see is that the sovereign Lord will use whatever it takes to get people to that little child in the manger in Bethlehem. What do I have to do to get them there? I'll change the heavens. Please understand, this passage is not an ad for astrology. I've heard it kind of spoken of that way. Uh. Uh-uh. Just the opposite. The Magi may have been astrologers. The wise men from Persia um, certainly studied the stars. So they may have seen this unusual star. But also remember that there were uh, Jewish people in exile in Persia. And they may have well been indeed, uh, indeed been in, in, uh, knew about a text from Numbers 24 that speaks of a star rising out of Judah. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but, but this is a different star. This doesn't fit into the usual patterns. This is God so ordering things. What is going on here? And honestly, the scripture doesn't tell us why they followed that. They just, it just tells us that they did. And they knew it had something to do with the king of the Jews. So off they went. Beloved. Beloved. Psalm 19 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament his handiwork. The order and the beauty and the glories of creation point to him. Says that Psalm 19, says that in Romans 1. It's, it's there. But that will only get us so far. And This is a really important lesson from the epiphany. Any number of things in the created order may set us on the road to Bethlehem, but they won't get us there. As I prepared for today, I came across this in the, um, in the catechism of the Catholic Church, and it's brilliant. They're coming, the coming of the Gentiles. It's talking about Epiphany. Their coming means that pagans can discover Jesus and worship him as son of God and savior of the world only by turning toward the Jews and receiving from them the messianic promise as contained in the Old Testament. The creation would only get them so far. At some point, they had to get to God's people. At some point, they had to get to Jerusalem. At some point... They had to come to people who knew God and could tell them more. Understand that. At some point, you have to go to those who know. You had to go to the Jewish people who, to whom had been entrusted, in Paul's words, the oracles of God. You had to go to the Jewish people and say, grab them by the rope, as the scripture says, and says. We hear that God is with you. So they go to Jerusalem and say, where is he that is born king of the Jews? They had to get there. And then notice that it's the sages, those who have the scriptures, the scribes who say, well, what it says is he'll be born in Bethlehem. It's from Micah chapter five. Blessed are you, O little Bethlehem, small as you are among the cities of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler for me. And by the way, and Micah goes on to say, whose origin is from ancient times. Wow. Blessed, blessed are you, O little Bethlehem. So you have to go to God's people, and you have to go to God's word, which is with God's people. This is a lesson for us, folks. Because according to the scripture, we are the inheritors of the promises to Israel. As the wild olive branch that's been grafted in, we also are children of Abraham, who in the fullness, and God in the fullness of time sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And he did it so that his ancient people could be saved, and he did it so that all those Goyim out there could be saved. All those Gentiles. That they could be drawn in. And we're the inheritors of that. If people would know the Lord Jesus Christ, they have to go to his church, to his people, to the Israel of God. You realize how much we've received? As the church... We've received the promises, the Jewish scriptures and their fulfillment in the New Testament. St. Paul said, uh, St. Augustine said that in the Old Testament, we have the gospel concealed and the New Testament revealed. But you can't understand either one without the other. You won't get the New Testament without the Old Testament. You won't get the Old Testament without the New Testament. And the incarnation is the missing piece of the symphony. It's the missing chapter in the... uh, mystery novel, as, as Lewis put it. It's the thing that, oh, oh, okay, that's what makes sense of it all. This is what puts it all together. And so you have to go to the church who've been given this. We've been given the word. We've been, we have the same order. Well, some churches have the same order as the Jewish people had. What was the order in the temple? High priests, priests. Levites. What was the order in the synagogue? Ruler of the synagogue, elders, servants, or deacons. What's the order in the church? Bishops, priests, deacons. Ooh. When did that get... It's Jewish. Christianity is Jewish. The Lord Jesus says salvation is from the Jews. And just like those wise men, people aren't going to come to Jesus except through his church. And through the word of God, which been entrusted to us. We have been entrusted with the word to make him known. And the Lord is, we pray, bring people to yourself, Lord, and use us in any way you can. And by the way, that upsets people. When Herod heard this, he was troubled. Oh, yes, he was. Where is he is born king of the Jews? I thought I was king of the Jews. He was a Roman puppet, folks, and made king of the Jews. He was actually an Edomite. All right, he wasn't Jewish. He was imposed upon the Jews. And uh, this is an interesting thing. Numbers 24, remember when Balak tries to hire Balaam? to curse the Israelites in, in the book of Numbers? Well, uh, Numbers 24, 17 says, and this is Balaam prophesying, and Balak doesn't like it. A star shall come forth out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Oh, that's 24, verse 17. Do you know what 24:18 says? 24:18 says, uh, and Edom shall be dispossessed. Oh yeah, the star will rise out of Judah, and by the way, Edom's going to be dis- uh, Jacob, and Edom's going to be dispossessed. Herod doesn't want to hear that. And the passage after this is, of course, the slaughter of the innocents, the flight into Egypt, and the slaughter of the in- innocents. The world doesn't want to hear it. It troubles them. We want to be like God. We want to rule ourselves. We want to say we don't submit to anyone else. Well, tough. The Lord, he is God. Jesus is king. So the wise men find him. And they fall down and worship him. Here we are. And then they give gifts. They give gifts. And from the earliest centuries of the church, the uh, churches understood those gifts to mean something. Irenaeus, in the second century, in his Against Heresy, said, the gifts of the Magi signify the mystery of Christ incarnate. Gold, a symbol of royalty, represents the kingship of Jesus. Frankincense, used in the worship of God, points to his divinity. Remember in uh, We Three Kings of Orienor, incense owns a deity nigh. Points to his divinity. Also his priesthood. Because myrrh, this is just an aside, this isn't in him. Myrrh, a burial ointment, signifies the humanity of Christ, especially his passion and death. And a little more on myrrh, folks. Not only was myrrh used for burial, as I told the kids, John 19, 39 to 40, if you read Exodus, you'll find it was also used for anointing priests. And for anointing the tabernacle in the wilderness. Jesus is our king. Jesus is our God. Jesus is our great high priest who has passed through the heavens, who lives forever to intercede for us. And Jesus is the tabernacle wherein the glory of God dwells. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt, and the Greek word is eskinosim, and tabernacled among us. Oh. I get excited the way it all fits so beautifully together. And uh, that's where in the glory dwells. And we are privileged and we have beheld his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father. And he's the lamb that was slain. yet is, in, is indeed used for anointing the dead. Our king, our God, our priest, our tabernacle, and the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's all that. All the Savior you ever going to need and more. And another, finally, one last thing, folks. Another one of the ancient fathers, Pope St. Gregory the Great, said, the treasures signify the gifts we present to Christ in our daily lives. Gold is Christ's wisdom and shines in us. Frankincense is the prayer and adoration we give him. We fall down and worship before him. And myrrh, myrrh is our daily self-sacrifice. Romans 12, verse one, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to offer yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. And we do. In just a few moments, what are we gonna say? And here we offer and present unto thee, O Lord, ourselves, our souls and bodies to be a reasonable, holy, and living sacrifice unto thee. That's still have the old version, <laughs> sorry. Um, our souls and our bodies, it's, it's yours, Lord. Here am I, take me. Just a few thoughts on the epiphany. We're here to offer ourselves a living sacrifice to offer our worship, to offer our gifts, to say, it's all yours, Lord, because you're all ours. We are not worthy, beloved, but we should be grateful. Thank you, Lord, for the epiphany. Thank you that Jew and Gentile alike are welcome. Thank you that Jesus is our king and our priest, Our tabernacle, and the Lamb who is slain, who takes away the sin of the world. We are not worthy, but we're grateful. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.